Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. So as Sarah said earlier, oh, I should say who I am. My name is Ophelia Hukini, she, her pronouns. I am the worship coordinator here at Hope Gateway. And as Sarah said earlier, we are beginning a new series today called Kindling Kinship. Thanks, Ellen, for this really adorable graphic. Um, This is a six-week series about how we foster lasting and love-filled friendships and how examples of friendship in scripture can inform our relationships. So we're talking less about the love your neighbor kind of love in this series and more about kinship or friendship. And kinship is comprised of countless facets or sides, like a well-cut gem. And we're gonna focus on just a few of them, love, growth, accountability, grief, nurture, and celebration. No particular reason, just we liked these. And today we're going to talk about that amorphous, undefinable matter of love and how love figures into kinship. And it is precisely that amorphous, undefinable quality of friendship love that makes it so ripe with possibility and so countercultural. Today, those of us who call ourselves Christians follow in the way of Jesus, who had a radical vision of kinship. His public ministry actually began with kinship. He blessed a wedding with wine, tons of kinship, friendship going around there. And when his ministry ended in his execution, it was his friends who were the ones who carried that ministry forward. We live today in a world that values kind of a different currency over friendship. And Jesus actually lived in a society like that too. Both of our societies prioritize nuclear family and romantic love over friendship, in part because nuclear families can drive a society's economic growth, and in part because of our individualism and a bunch of other stuff that I don't have the degrees to tell you about. But friendship in a society like ours can seem like an afterthought in a hierarchy of love. But in scripture, We see powerful examples of friendships that alter the course of history and change and even resurrect lives. One of those friendships was that of Jonathan and David. And if I thought ahead, I would have also put some slides with photos or pictures, sorry, no photos back then, pictures (laughs) of Jonathan and David, but I didn't think of that. So we will use our imaginations. Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was the king of Israel. And David was the son of Jesse of the tribe of Judah. And so um, David was the rival to Jonathan's um, throne, throne to be. And um, David and Jonathan, despite the odds, became dear friends. They pledged their love and their loyalty to one another. And 1 Samuel 18 records those pledges. We'll put those on the screen. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. 
From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Some folks theorize that Jonathan and David were platonic friends, and others theorize that their relationship was more romantic. But for the sake of this conversation today on friendship, let's just assume that they were platonic friends. King Saul, Jonathan's father, conspires to have David killed many times, later moving on to try and murder David himself. Jonathan at first doesn't believe his father would ever do something like that, but he goes out on a limb and suspends his disbelief, and his father's intentions are then revealed to him. The situation then becomes so untenable for David that David has to flee. Jonathan helps David, remember, this guy is the rival to his own crown. Jonathan helps David escape his father's wrath. So 1 Samuel 19 continues. So, okay, this part I'm just gonna read to you, it's not on the slide. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. So Jonathan and David's um, parting is honestly pretty heartbreaking. When David finally gets the chance to escape, he and Jonathan meet one last time at nighttime in a field. And 1 Samuel 20 on the slide says, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. The retelling of this friendship says about Jonathan again and again, he loved David as he loved himself. How the two of them demonstrated their love for each other was through mutual respect, care for the other's well-being, and some pretty big risk-taking. Love takes risks. Love makes demands. And we affirm that love when we step up to meet those demands. One of the reasons that friendship can be so revolutionary is that it is a love that is not obligated. It lacks the inherent economic or social ties that we finally, that we sometimes find in family or romantic love. Friendship is a love that is freely chosen again and again. It takes risks. It makes demands from every party. The metaphor of God as a parent is for some of us easy to access. Maybe for some of us a little harder to access. We can think of God as this idealized parent who is affectionate and dependable, all-knowing and tender, but the metaphor of God as our friend can be just as valuable and illuminating for our reflection and the living out of our faith. Kinship requires and generates love. To be in the current of the spirit requires and generates love. It is fed love, it creates more love, it asks for love from us. It gives love in return. But what love is, what love means, can be so hard to define that it's prone to misuse. 
We may have grown up with or heard somewhere the idea that God shows us love through means that don't seem very loving, through punishment or deprivation, by wanting us to change our fundamental nature, by killing his son to save us from his wrath. We may have been told that God wanted some terrible thing to happen to us to bring us closer to God or because it was meant to be for our good. We may have come to believe that we are nothing without God, that we can do no good apart from God. I actually remember some song lyrics that say that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but think for a second about your healthiest and most loving friendships or about the kind of person that you wish were your friend. What does that person teach you about who God is? What have you learned about God's love from a love like that? What have you learned about what counts as love? The educator and writer, Bell Hooks, wrote a book about love called All About Love. And in it, she describes love as having seven main components. They are care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, trust, and honest and open communication. I really like Bell Hooks's fracturing of love into these components because so often we receive unhealthy messages about what love is, that it is hard to parse out whether in friendships or in our relationship with God, what is or isn't healthy, right? We sing the song all the time, what is love? All we know is, baby don't hurt me. <laughs> So do we follow in the way of a God who is committed to us, but lacks honest and open communication? Do we worship one who gives us care, but whom we cannot trust? Do we praise a God who is honest, but who doesn't give us affection or recognition? On the contrary, we catch a glimpse of God's character through the friendship of Jonathan and David. Their kinship is beset with care, affection, commitment, recognition, respect, trust, and honest and open communication. When we read about their story, our souls can recognize the love in that, can't we? So it is amongst friends. And so it is amongst us when we consider God to be our friend. It is that love may feel like a feeling, and in part it is, it is a feeling, and it is also these components too. Bell Hooks doesn't give us a prescription for love, but rather a map with guideposts along the way. So she isn't saying, love is this and nothing else, but her hope is that these illuminate some cadence of what love can feel like. Um, I'm gonna put her on the spot here for a second. One of my dearest friends, Belle, is here with us today, along with Marilyn, whom I had the pleasure to meet at Belle's graduation from her MSW program last month. Belle says this thing about the five love languages that I love. So love languages was this thing that was popularized by some Christian guy a while ago. They are service, quality time, touch, gifts, and words of affirmation. And she has the MSW, so she can maybe tell you who the, the Christian guy actually was. Um, but what I love that Belle says is that she actually calls them languages of care. And I like this, languages of care because it recenters love around kinship, caring, this active work of caring, not just romance. It rescues love from the limits of romance. And so I wanna ask you today, what sustains your kinship? 
What are the languages of care that your kin can show you? Maybe a book recommendation or podcast recommendation, which says, I thought of you when I heard this or when I read this. I recognize you and I know the things that you like. Or maybe a phone call out of the blue that said, I was thinking of you and I missed you. Or a ride to your doctor's appointment or an offer to watch your children. And as spring cracks wide open, I would love for you to think about the languages of care that God weaves into our time and our space. Lately, it's been irises when it floods, the promises of berries, the return of migrating birds whose calls etch the boundaries of this season for us, the everyday opportunity to do good, the voice of a loved one, the way the breeze feels on the first hot days of spring. Care, affection, trust, and more. The riches of kinship, the particulate of love, the reflection of the image of God between friends in the rich and generative midst of kinship. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.